Dispatches from the front lines on the war on women with my friend David Menzies. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed, and you're watching The Gun Show. Twenty twenty three has been an absolutely wild year in the war on women. You know the left always talk about the war on women, but they never actually tell you that they're the ones waging it, or at least allowing it to be waged against women and girls. The war on women and what it means to be a woman has moved from just social ID to now women's sports. We've got a whole swath of mediocre, malicious men pretending to be women for the sake of competing against women and now girls, as is the case with Nicholas Sapita. He's a 50-year-old university educator who now goes by the name Melody, and he competes against 12- and 13-year-old girls in the swimming pool. I mean, the situation unfolding in women's sports in Canada is truly beyond parody. Now, there are a few people shining a light on this issue, but nobody is shining a brighter light or doing a better job in this than my friend David Menzies. And he joins me today to talk about the year that was in the war on women. Take a listen. So joining me now, back by popular demand, is my friend David Menzies, Canada's leading women's rights activist. David, <laughs> what a strange time to be alive. Thanks for coming on the show. You are, um, as always, the most requested guest I have oh. here uh, on The Gun Show. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I wanted to have you on sort of as a year-end wrap-up to some of your activism in defense of women and girls. Now, you, on the outside looking in, you might be perceived as a bit of a Columbo slash Archie Bunker type, um, but you really do have a heart for fairness and this this sort of chivalrous bent um, where, um, you know, where when nobody is standing up for women and girls, there's David Menzies in his silly hat uh, storming onto the rugby field. Um, and I think you had probably the one of if not but I think it was the most popular video on uh, the network this year uh, was by you. How how did this issue just sort of fall in your lap? How did you end up being the guy? I'm the mom with the girl as a high performing athlete, but you're the guy doing all the legwork on this. How did that happen? Sheila, <clears throat> I think to use a sporting term, it was by default. Do you <laughs> see the mainstream media in Canada taking an even a tinker's dam when it comes to this issue you know the whether it's ash davis uh the rugby player from fergus um the man who won the men's hardest hitter award uh last uh, last year but <clears throat> decided to identify as a fake lesbian this year and whether it's nicholas Sapita, the York University professor, 50-year-old male, uh, who identifies as a 13-year-old girl, 
you know these stories have gone around the world, the New York Post, the Daily Mail, but the mainstream media in Canada, uh, with one notable exception, our good friend Joe Wormington at the Toronto Sun, uh, they have avoided this. And I think it's for one of two reasons, Sheila. It's either two-third rail, i.e. to say anything negative about the trans community, well, you're a transphobe, you're a hater, you're a bigot, and so on and so forth. Or the wokeism in our mainstream media journalists is so intense, they actually believe this garbage, that a so-called trans woman is a real woman, that a biological male, um, you know, injuring females on the rugby pitch oh it's just diversity equity and inclusion that a 50 year old man with all this junk still attached oh well you know what um it's reasonable accommodation to have little real girls have to endure that assault on their safe space that is how pathetic and despicable the mainstream media is so again sheila i ask you if not us bringing this um perversity i call it uh to the forefront who else is going to do it in canada yeah you're you're so right to point out that this your story with uh ash davis the rugby player but now nicholas sapita the trans identified trans age 13 year old girl swimmer uh that was the most popular news story i think in the world it was everywhere and completely not touched by justin trudeau's colonized mainstream media i think there's a third reason and maybe some people in the mainstream media are inclined to think this is unfair there might be some old school feminists in and amongst the mix there however they knew they know who pays the bills around there and justin trudeau is so hopelessly insanely woke especially on this issue that they know enough to shut their mouths because their jobs are at stake you know that's an excellent point sheila um at the end of the day they have a sugar daddy uh paying them i still cannot believe that uh, you know virtually all the mainstream media outlets or or maybe it's 100 percent by now sheila they're all on the take. Uh, CBC was ever thus getting more than a billion dollars a year. You know, as you know, I, I, I'm maybe the only person in the company that's actually gone to journalism school. But it was a different <laughs> era. It was the early '80s at Ryerson, or whatever the hell they call it now. Um, and uh, I can tell you, uh, I would say even back then, Sheila, most of the professors uh, leaned left. But if they were still around today, they would be appalled. They would be disgusted at the ethical and moral breach of the government funding journalists who are supposed to cover the government. I mean, that's an inherent conflict of interest, Sheila. And I think you're right. If I am in a sunset industry, which is journalism, and I'm making a paycheck still, do I really want to rock the boat? I mean, you know, we know blackface is all in when it comes to the uh, radical trans agenda. 
do I really want to offend blackface by, you know, standing up for biological women and girls? Um, there's so many other stories to cover, stories that will get, you know, blackface's approval. So, you know what? Yeah, let uh, let those cranks at Rebel News take care of that. I got a mortgage. I got to buy groceries. I think you're absolutely right. That's how co-opted the media is on this file, Sheila. Yeah, now let's talk about other people who have been co-opted. Um, for example, other women and girls. One of the most outrageous things that I've seen in your reporting on this issue of men taking over women's sports is the women, the, the response of the women. Uh, they seem to be perfectly fine to be uh, hurt, potentially, to have their opportunities stolen. I mean... <laughs> They formed a human chain around Ash Davis at the rugby field to block you from going near them. And as it turns out, you, a biological male, you were just able to walk through their ladies' human chain, which <laughs> like proves the point of the whole video, right? But, you know, you see Ash Davis with his tree trunk legs and his male pattern baldness and the women and the girls involved in this are lining up to defend him. They're the chivalrous ones for some reason in this like perverse bizarro world. Sheila, I don't want to come across as a sexist or an ageist. Yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't <But> know. <laughs> doing these stories, I can tell you that females in their twenties are oh, yeah. an enemy to womankind. Yep. I think they have been so indoctrinated that they actually do believe that a trans woman is a real woman. And my goodness, Sheila, unlike Busty Lemieux, the shop teacher, at least he went to an effort to look female, albeit a gross uh, caricature of a female, uh, the wig, the, the biker shorts, the Zed cup boobs, uh, and so forth. But Ash Davis, um, Melody Wisehart, a.k.a. Nicholas Apita, they don't even make an effort to even throw a wig on or a pair of earrings. And I will tell you, the most jarring experience for me this year past, Sheila, was going to Fergus, Ontario with ace cameraman um, Efren Monsanto and encountering that it, it seemed that every female on the team was uh, you know, on Team Ash Davis. Um, they were hysterical. A couple of them were crying. You know, I know there's no crying in baseball. I guess there's crying in female rugby. But I have never seen it. Well, <laughs> I, I saw it firsthand. And what was I doing? Was I hurting them? No, I was just asking mm -hmm. insensitive questions by their reckoning. You know, you know, I, I suffered, you know, F-bombs, insults, even a physical assault. Uh, that's just another day at the office for me, really, Sheila. I was rattled by the indoctrination of his teammates that they saw nothing wrong in this brute pretending to be a female. Much like in the summer when we went to a women's shelter in Windsor covering the case of Cody Detremont, a.k.a. Desiree Anderson, a.k.a. Mm -hmm. the trans cat of Windsor. Not making this up, Sheila, as you know. He, she, it is now identifying as a cat. And the 20-something woman who came out to us, my camera woman and I, and we were on a sidewalk, by the way. We didn't even venture onto uh, the property of the shelter. Um, 
once again, trans women are real women, even though Cody Detrimont, as soon as he got into the shelter, within days, he was charged by Windsor police for sexually assaulting a female. Holy mackerel, who saw that coming? Even with that charge, even re-victimizing a woman in what I would say is the ultimate woman's safe space, a shelter for God's sakes, they were still saying, um, uh, stop using the wrong pronoun. Uh, it's she. And um, a trans woman is a real woman. Sheila, like I said, whether it's the Fergus uh, Highlanders uh, female players or the staffers at that Windsor shelter, they're all in on um, this woke garbage that trans women are real women, even when these trans women are a clear and present danger a biological woman. Yeah, we've got an entire generation of women raised on the poison that it is their civic duty as a woman to compromise their health and safety in the name of wokeism. Like they, they think it is their job to do this. Uh, I look at this uh, maybe a little bit more old fashioned than my female peers, but these are just run of the mill, these dudes, these mediocre dudes. Um, invading women's only spaces. These are just your run-of-the-mill misogynists. There's nothing new under the sun. In the before times, these are the guys shoving their wives around because they didn't have dinner on the table when they got home from work. Um, except now they can abuse women, not just, you know, behind closed doors in the home. Uh, they can do it in public by degrading us and embarrassing us and robbing us of our opportunities. If you were a woman hater, what better way to show women how much you hate them than by being a better woman than those women and then having society pat you on the back for your bravery? A hundred percent, Sheila. I mean, if, if anyone thinks this is diversity, equity, and inclusion, if you think that allowing a male like an Ash Davis uh, to physically injure real women, and let's face it, Sheila, with... Certain exceptions, such as equestrian and auto racing, twas ever thus that males and females, <laughs> yes, you're correct, were in separate categories for obvious reasons. Um, but if you think that's diversity, equity, and inclusion, no, it's misogyny. It is garden variety hatred of women. I also want to make the point, too, whether it's rugby or swimming, and we're talking about Ash Davis and Nicholas Sapita. <clears throat> Who cares what David Menzies thinks? Who cares what Rebel News thinks? Okay, that's a fair criticism. Let's talk about the world governing bodies. In the case of rugby, it's world rugby. In the case of swimming, it's world aquatics. World rugby was one of the first organizations, um, to its credit, I think it goes back to 2020, Sheila, that said, yep. no, a biological male cannot play on a woman's team and against women. But here in Canada... Rugby Ontario, Rugby Canada, both of whom are staffed by cowards. They won't even come on the record and give me an interview. No, 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 no. This is human rights. This is diversity, equity, inclusion. They are defying the world governing body, same as World Aquatics. Earlier this year, they finally came up with a solution to this problem, Sheila, for these trans swimmers. It's not, you're not gonna you're not gonna swim with the males or the females. It's gonna be the open or other category. And in October, at the um, World Championships in Berlin, Germany, 
The other category debuted, and lo and behold, Sheila, guess what? Not a single trans swimmer signed up for the other category. So what I'm saying here, Sheila, is World Aquatics bent over backwards to accommodate these trans athletes, and for them, oh, it's not good enough. We want to be uh, with the real biological woman. That suggests something to me, Sheila, that there's something else going on. Maybe it's about a fetish. Maybe it's not about swimming with other females. It's about getting into the female change room. It's about checking them out when you're changing. It's about getting into the shower with them, which we know Sapita is doing. This is despicable. And for the provincial and federal sports bodies uh, in our provinces and in this nation to turn a blind eye and pretend this is diversity, equity, inclusion, shame on them and shame on all the ministers of sport, Sheila, for yeah. not saying, uh-uh, on my watch, this kind of misogyny is not happening. This kind of perversity must be stamped out. Nope, they are silent too, even in those provinces that are conservative, such as right here in Ontario. I think the Minister of Sports is Neil Lumsden, a former CFL player, if you can imagine, Sheila. He should know, at least when it comes to the rugby file, yeah. um, when it comes to a, a brutal contact sport, that there was a very, very good reason to separate males and females, but we've reached out to him and his minions, radio silence. Yeah, it, you'd think that his communications people would be scrambling a response to some of the most contentious stories in the world on any given day that touch yeah. on his file, but he's just in the cone of seclusion right now. You know, we forgot somebody when we're talking about these issues. We forgot our friend April Hutchinson. Oh, yes. Um she is a Canadian power lifter, top of her sport. Her sport has uh, helped her recover from addiction. She is a good news story and a role model for anybody who's struggling for girls. Uh, you want to teach your girls to be strong and take on the world and overcome adversity. You should be looking to April Hutchinson. But she's being canceled from her sport uh, because she spoke out against a biological male competing as a power lifter against women and then that same biological male taking to social media and mocking the women he just beat for being a little too weak. I wonder why that why that is. <laughs> Could it be biology? But when April did something similar and and not even. She just went to social media and expressed her outrage at this person mocking women on social media. Guess who gets in trouble for violating the social media policy of the Canadian Powerlifting Union? It's April. Now, uh, also like the, sorry, David, to cut you off, also like the other or um, sports, the international body specifically issued a statement in support of April. Yes. But the Canadian Powerlifting Union doing nothing, although her activism, I think, cost the head of the Canadian Powerlifting Union his job, yeah. um, which is one small victory. But there are other people on that board that have to go. And good riddance to that weakling. Funny, you know, somebody, a man in powerlifting you'd think is macho and strong. Uh, maybe in his heyday he was inside a weakling, a coward, uh, yeah. bending the knee to woke madness. Uh, full disclosure, uh, Sheila, I love April Hutchinson. I think this is a beautiful woman inside and out. The abuse that she has endured 
for doing the right thing. And I include in her hometown, Museum London, we did a story on this. Um, they, she was part of an exhibition of Londoners who, you know, were dealt a bad hand in life, you know, maybe, you know, born handicapped, uh, addiction issues, uh, drugs, alcohol. And of course, April, I'm not telling tales out of school. She's very open about this. She was alcoholic, suicidal at one point, and powerlifting turned her life around. For having the temerity to stand up for women getting abused in powerlifting, uh, the woke cowards at Museum London deemed April to be transphobic, and she was literally canceled. Her exhibit was torn down. Uh, you know, Sheila, this is madness. Yeah. We are bending the knee, and I don't care how much flack I get for this. When I when I meet these people who are transgendered and transvestites, I pick up a very deep current of mental illness. And once upon a time, when we th came across a man who thought he was a woman or somebody who thought he was Napoleon or Jesus Christ, uh, we put them into an institution for their benefit and societies. Now we bend the knee to them. And if you say the obvious, you know, Sheila, it's like the little boy in the, the, the emperor's new cloak. Remember, uh, hey, the king has no clothes. He's the only voice of reason. Today, the little boy is arrested and forced to do sensitivity training because you offended the king's sensibilities as opposed to being the voice of reason. But, uh, you know, you're right. April Hutchinson, um, to her credit, is fighting against uh, all these foes. And I'll tell you, in the powerlifting community, I've talked to her about this. There, and it's much like rugby, uh, Sheila. There are female powerlifters that will never get a chance of winning the championship with this uh, Ann Andrews, uh, the fake yep. female uh, lifting weights. They're there clapping, cheering on. Oh, isn't this great? It's like the chickens organizing a parade for Colonel Saunders, for God's sakes. Yeah, I remember the... Uh the now gone head of the Canadian powerlifting union, he called the cops on some women who had turned up to a powerlifting event where Ann Andrews was competing and they showed up in black and they were there to mourn the death of women's sports. He called the cops on them, had them removed from the event as though they were the problem. And uh, I believe you're familiar with some of that treatment. You go to these places where there is a man in the change room with little girls because he now identifies as a 13-year-old female swimmer and the cops get called on you because you're the problem. Shining a light on this issue is the problem. For these people, they want to be able to do this in darkness. And while we might not be able to change the policies of these sports, we're not going to allow these sporting organizations and these interloping, bizarre, mediocre men to uh, do it in obscurity. You know, uh, you're so right, uh, Sheila. A couple of things. This is um, what I call, and uh, our, our lawyer friend, Chris Walpole, calls the weaponization of law enforcement. Uh, yeah. You don't like a question. You don't like a comment. I'm calling the cops. It's kind of like these losers that go through the drive-thru at Burger King, and they didn't <laughs> get their fries, and they dial 911. No, no, no. That's not what the police is for, but they <laughs> are being weaponized by this. I want to uh, also uh, point out, Sheila, the game 
after the first game we went to was in late July, Efren and I for Ash Davis with Fergus. The following Saturday, they were in Waterloo. And this to me is absolutely shocking. There was an individual by the name of Josh Windsor. He's a principal in Kitchener and he's the head honcho of Waterloo rugby. And after he saw our report, presumably, he sent out an email. It was forwarded to me by one of the parents. And he told the Waterloo girls playing rugby that if any of them says anything insensitive, uh, hateful, etc., about Ash Davis, uh, you're off the team. You're, you're gone. Oh, and if he deems the comment to be so hateful uh, that it's beyond the pale, I don't know, like, you know, real woman should play with real woman. He is going to call Waterloo Regional Police. So again, when Efren and I went to that game, there were a whole bunch of the Waterloo female players, i.e. the victim pool for Ash Davis. And they were doing this with their wrists all the time, you know, you know, sh showing their wrists. And I, I didn't know what the heck it was, Sheila. And then when we looked at the video later, they were wearing wristbands in the uh, trans colors, baby blue, white, and pink. They were standing in solidarity uh, for Ash Davis. And, you know, gee, I wonder why. I wonder if it's either indoctrination or it's because Mr. Windsor, uh, the head honcho of Waterloo Rugby, threatened to throw them off the team or even call the police on these young women. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is beyond the pale, Sheila. Yeah, it's like a struggle session, like a Maoist <laughs> struggle session um, that if you don't allow yourself to get a career-ending concussion, you're some sort of transphobe. Uh, David, I wanted to, before I let you go, uh, because I could talk about this issue forever because it is a deeply personal issue for me, do you think there's hope Um Looking forward, like looking forward to 2024. I know that our American friends look upon what's happening in Canada with the issue of women's sports in horror. But is there hope for Canadians to turn the tide to save sports for our women and our girls? Yes, there is, Sheila. But it it depends on courage, uh, both yeah. by parents and by those in the political opposition. Um, I'm going to give Mr. Polyev. Uh, seven figures of free advice, if he were to stand up and say that if elected prime minister, this is going to end uh, with those exceptions, exceptions in sports such as auto racing and uh, equestrian, males are playing with males, females with females. I am telling you, Sheila, that more than 99% of the population would applaud that kind of courage. I, I, and I mean, I can't believe I'm even saying this. The, uh, to state the obvious, to reaffirm common sense, that's courage right now. But I would suggest that to Pierre Polyev. Secondly, when it comes to swimming, when it comes to minors, um, I want to make an impassioned plea for uh, Papa Bear and especially Mama Bear you know, our, mm -hmm. our boss Ezra did a talk about this. You know, if you're going out into the woods in Canada and you get in between bear cubs and mama bear, that is probably the most dangerous place in the world. You're probably going to be shredded. And yet, I get it. We live in cancel culture. We live in a, a society where if you even state the obvious, 
that you're going to be outed. You're going to be, there's going to be pressure for you to lose your job. If you run a business, there's going to be pressure for a boycott. What I'm saying, Sheila, if everybody stands up en masse to this transanity and says, no, this cannot happen. You are not going to injure my daughter. You are not going to defeat my daughter in an unfair uh, uh, race. Then we're going to get somewhere. We need that, you know, that great scene, uh, Sheila, in Spartacus, when the Roman centurion comes to the slaves and says, now, which one of you is Spartacus? We want to haul him back to Rome and execute him. And you see a guy who isn't Spartacus. He says, I'm Spartacus. Then another one who isn't Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. And what are you going to do? Uh, you know, <laughs> execute everybody? Uh, we need an I'm Spartacus moment. And I can tell you this, Sheila, I hear rumblings out there. The next Swim Ontario meet where Sapita is apparently going to show up, it's going to be in Aurelia, January 19th to 21st. That's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I have been tipped off that there are going to be women demonstrators there. And I even spoke to one who's trying to get a group together that if he shows up, they are going to physically block the entrance to the female change room. It's going to be equal parts swimming and WWE, uh, Sheila, I'll, I'll tell you. But I hope we do see that courage, and I hope uh, Mr. Polyev takes a stand on transanity. It is a winning wedge item for him. I said that was the last question, but I just there's something else that I <laughs> want to talk to you about because this is something that you and I care deeply about, and that is wrestling and i was at a wrestling event a couple of weeks ago in edmonton i think if i i won't say the name but people can probably figure out what the event was but i was there and before the main event not even the main event before even a, like the the early matches started you know just the jobber matches the the announcer lectured the crowd to make sure that we didn't say anything homophobic what? or transphobic <laughs> or discriminatory and i was like whoa we're lucky this is my first beer <laughs> and not my third um and it, you know like looking at certain sports now like i i wonder could they get away with gold dust these days definitely no uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go back even uh, further before my time. Uh, Gorgeous George. Uh, I mean, yeah. you know, in a way, homophobia is one of the age-old themes of wrestling. You have somebody who's obviously a very strong male that can, you know, wrestle with other males, but he's wearing robes with rhinestones on it, uh, platinum blonde dyed hair. And yeah, they're playing off on the crowd. So I am actually shocked that pro wrestling of all things is becoming woke. I mean, my, you know, my favorite comment ever of pro wrestling, Sheila, it, it goes to Jerry Seinfeld, that when you think about it, if pro wrestling didn't exist, you couldn't possibly invent it. I mean, the idea of 300 pound men in bathing suits and construction boots running around, flipping each other upside down. So, um, I've never experienced that. The last live uh, wrestling event, it was an impact wrestling event in Windsor this oh, nice. summer. And, um, there was none of that. Uh, but you know, Sheila, let me ask you a question. 
what was the driver of that? Because usually, I mean, when I go to a pro wrestling event, Sheila, half the fun isn't happening in the ring. It's oh no! It's in the it's me screaming. <laughs> it's me screaming insults at everybody. Yeah, I know. I'm a hell of a heckler, if you must know. But yeah, um, and usually I don't. I don't go in that direction when I'm heckling. But uh, don't tell me what to do either. And like, know the audience. Yeah, people aren't going to heckle homophobic insults or transphobic insults. Like, I don't think people's minds go there. But at the same time. Know your audience. This is a crowd that <laughs> happily pays money to go to an event that the woke left would call toxic masculinity. And so they go there to avoid the wokeness that they're getting in basketball and all these other sports and the pride jerseys. That's why you go to wrestling is for the uh, testosterone charged soap opera escapism of it all. You don't need your lecture and your land acknowledgement before it goes. Yeah, but you know, like you said, Sheila, um, a, uh, a wrestler, not, and I thought it was one of the greatest gimmicks, um, Goldust. Uh, oh, you know what? That might be seen as transphobic. The late great sure, Iron you? Sheik. Could you do that? A caricature of an Arab today, uh, you know, with the the curved boots and the uh, the, the headwear. Um, maybe not, given what's happening in the world these days. And you know, these stereotypes. I think is what made wrestling great. I mean, my goodness, it's not reality. It's not even sports. It's sports entertainment. And for right. that um, genre to go woke, you're absolutely right, Sheila. It's shameful. And it's the organizers not understanding who their consumers are. These aren't your Bud Light drinkers in the crowd, Sheila. No, and... So, by the way, I should say, subsequent to that, I went to another wrestling event, different <laughs> promotion. I saw Gamma Singh's uh, son wrestle. He was incredible. He's really great. Carrying on the family tradition. Anyway, <laughs> the show was about women's sports, and here I am talking about wrestling. <laughs> David, <laughs> thanks so much for your great work over the last 12 months uh, defending uh, fairness in sport for girls just like mine and for other parents all across the country. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And I know you put yourself in harm's way. You take a lot of flack for it, but um, you have thousands of thousands of parents in your corner cheering for you to just continue this fight um, because you can, because we are uncancelable. Well, Sheila, I want to thank you very much. And that's very nice. You say I have thousands of parents who are supporters. I would really prefer instead of supporting us that they would support their daughters and take a stand against this transanity. Uh, and it's going to continue into next year. Uh, we know that for a fact. I want to yeah. wish you a Merry Christmas, Sheila Gunn-Reed, and your family, and all the best in 2024. And I just, I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but this year, you gave me the greatest gift of all. And I'm yeah. not going to get into the <laughs> details, folks, but Sheila Gunn-Reed sent me a text that was meant for her husband. <laughs> that will never be deleted. <laughs> so oh thank God. you so much, <laughs> Sheila Gunn-Reed. You are a female Santa Claus in my book. <laughs> oh, you're just getting all kinds of mileage out of that, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> David, Merry Christmas. Uh, thanks for being such a happy warrior, albeit annoying uh, in some instances. And the very best to your family. I know um, just... Having you as a husband and father 
is uh, turmoil enough. And uh, I know Lady <laughs> <laughs> Menzies goes through a lot. Um, you know, you're assaulted at work, you're put in danger at work, and um, also, you know, just living in the same house as you. So Merry Christmas to, to you and yours. And uh, I can't wait to see what you do in 2024. Merry Christmas, Sheila Gunn-Reed, and Merry Christmas to all your viewers. Well, friends, we've come to the portion of the show wherein I invite your viewer feedback. I say this at the end of every show, but I cannot stress it enough because it is so important. It is true that our viewers are the lifeblood of Rebel News. Why? Because we do not have a sugar daddy named Justin Trudeau to help us pay the bills. We rely on you. So we need to know what you think about the work that we do here at Rebel News. Do you like it? Do you not like it? Do you have questions? And more importantly, I want to give you your say. I just recorded a 55-0-minute show where I just read a stack of your letters that you sent to me. And it is always the funnest show of the year. Although today's show with David, pretty fun, right? It's fun when we get the band back together and I get to sit down with my old co-host from uh, the Rebel News Daily Roundup. Now, today's letter comes to me uh, via email. So I should tell you that you can send me a gun show letter, put gun show letters in the subject line to Sheila at rebelnews.com. And who knows, might just end up on the show. Or you can leave a comment on one of the platforms wherein you're watching us. So not all the time, but every now and then I will go poking around on YouTube or on Rumble to see what you folks are saying. And uh, sometimes I'll grab a comment or two from there. But this one comes from the email inbox. It comes from Mark. Uh, on last week's show that I recorded with my friend Tom Harris from the International Climate Science Coalition, we were sort of buttoning up our coverage of the United Nations Climate Change Conference that happens every year around this time. They never really hold it in places that get all that cold. Uh, they held it this year in the United Arab Emirates, one of the most energy intensive places on the planet. I mean, the place is really, really hot. And uh, so they need constant air conditioning. Uh, they build things there just to build them the world's tallest building. I think one of the world's largest malls, I think like several of the world's largest malls are there. Um, they build islands that are shaped like palm trees in the middle of the desert, uh, buildings that look like cruise ships way up in the sky. You can't do any of that without fossil fuels and money from fossil fuels, right? So uh, the United Nations went there to basically tell the UAE it's time to get off fossil fuels. And the UAE said, we're happy to take your tourism dollars, basically. But uh, no, thank you. Not anytime soon. So that was good. <laughs> um, but my letter today comes from Mark and he says, hi, Sheila. I thoroughly enjoyed your recent show with Tom Harris. We have to keep up the good fight against these elites that are pushing this climate scare agenda. On a recent trip from Whitehorse North to Fort McPherson, I encountered temperatures ranging from minus four to minus 27 to minus 17. <laughs> Sounds like Chinook in Calgary, right? Like, But going reverse, like it'll go from like minus 20 to plus three back down to minus 20 in the course of just a few short hours. 
And if you were um, uh, a Hollywood actor named Leonardo DiCaprio, you would attribute that to climate change instead of a Chinook. Anyway, let's keep going. I watched the temperature plummet from minus four to minus 18 within 10 minutes of driving. The elites would call this climate change. I call it climate. As you and Tom both point out, there's nothing wrong here. <laughs> Keep up the great work and you are making a difference. Cheers and Merry Christmas. Well, thank you so much, uh, Mark, and Merry Christmas to you. And uh, Merry Christmas to all my viewers and everybody who works for Rebel News around the country and in the office in Toronto. And it is true. Like, uh, the worst part of the climate scare is the fear porn of it all. It's one of the reasons I couldn't stand the COVID madness. I don't think you do anybody any good telling them it's time to panic, freak out, <laughs> get scared, live in complete and total anxiety. I don't think that does anybody any good. And that's why I love the work that they do over at Friends of Science. Michelle Sterling over there, she tells everybody to chill out and calm down. Everything's going to be fine. And you know what? It has been. Every doomsday apocalypse has come and gone. And if there is going to be a doomsday apocalypse, we are humans and it is so narcissist of us to think that we might be able to stop it well everybody that's the show for tonight i think this is the no this is the second last show of the year but it is the last show before christmas and as i said merry christmas everybody and thank you so much for your viewership over this last year and hopefully your continued viewership next year the show wouldn't exist without you and i just appreciate so much your support of the show but also of all the work that all of the journalists do here at rebel news i know there are lots of places where you could park your money and lots of media companies you could support and ones that you are forced to support thanks to justin trudeau and you and you choose us and that means a lot to me now i guess i'll say my tagline for the second last time this year remember don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think